Welcome to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, where we feature expert thought leaders and cover the best strategies, stories, and psychology you need to land big ticket clients. Because as you know, you can't catch a whale with a worm. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, and it's my pleasure to introduce my friend and a very, very successful entrepreneur online, Meredith Bell. Meredith, how are you doing today? I am great, Dr. Pillay. I'm so excited to be with you. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? I have to, I have to just say what a pleasure to visit with you in person in Hawaii at our Mastermind event. That Absolutely. Was- that was we amazing. We to each other for three days. And, so. and we even did a music yeah. video. <laughs> yes, we did. It was amazing. Um, but, you know, on that note, Meredith, I have to say that we come from a, a background, a similar background in the leadership development, you know, people development world. I have to say you are by far one of the most successful people I've seen in this space, and I'm so in awe of what you've done. I want you to share all of that. I know you're not the boastful type, but I want to hear everything. So, for example, your company, um, you've got products that have been, you know, used by what a million people so far. Millions of people have used your services. You've got 25 years of experience doing leadership development with software and services. How did you get here? Who is Meredith Bell? <laughs> Well, I'm a teacher at heart. So as a child, I always envisioned myself being a teacher. And I became an elementary school teacher. Unfortunately, I realized after a few years, I got bored with the routine. So then I got my master's thinking, oh, let me move into central office administration so I can have a better impact. And I became a director of one of the federal programs and realized, oh, my goodness, I don't do bureaucracy very well. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do politics well either. So after a couple of years of being truly unhappy for a variety of reasons in my role, I just decided it was time to do something else. And the thing I had loved so much those previous couple of years was working with the teachers Mm -hmm. and helping them be more effective, especially as communicators. And so I just decided I was going to leave. I, By the way, I had just gotten married and my new husband fully supported this, which was really important at that time, but it was a way to introduce him to my entrepreneurial side that I was just discovering at the time. Mm -hmm. This was in 1982, so a long time ago. And uh, I had no business classes. I had never read a sales or marketing book because that wasn't my world. Mm. But I just had this deep desire to make a difference with people, especially in the way they communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. So I just jumped and uh, I landed on my feet because of me. But of course, there were some stumbles along the way Mm -hmm. as I was trying to figure out how do I need to go about doing this. And so I I discovered that doing stand-up training was really um, enjoyable and rewarding because I started seeing people change based on the things that they learned in the classes that I taught. And I focused on, you know, leadership development and communication skills and how to really connect with other people, customer service. And uh, But it got lonely working by myself. And I met another consultant, Denny Coates, 
who I started collaborating with. And then we decided to join our two companies together in 1990 and brought on another business partner. So the three of us have now worked together for almost 30 years. Wow. Wow. What, 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 you know, look, longevity is evidence of success because people don't stay together that long. If something, if something isn't working right, but you know, I love your leap of faith story, how you sort of went from, you know, the education, the teaching to another kind of teaching that was coaching and consulting and helping people implement leadership. But what I've found out about you, and I'm going to reveal this before you do, to be honest, is that you are such a servant leader. Like, you know, your whole theme is how can I help someone today? And and you've taught me that, and I carry that with me everywhere I go, whether you know it or not. You taught me that you've got to focus on helping someone. How can you help someone? How did you arrive at this sort of view of the world that, that touching, serving, and helping other people's hearts is the center of anything you have to do to be successful? Well, you know, I think I've had that, you know, they talk about givers and takers. I think I've always had a sense of giving, but I've refined it over the years because I'm really a lifelong learner. And so I'm always reading and studying and taking courses. And one of the books that really had a sentence that totally, you know, jerked my head around was called The Prosperous Coach by uh, Steve Chandler and Rich Litvin. And the sentence or the question that was in that book may be relevant um, to your viewers and listeners. And it was this, before having a conversation with someone, ask yourself, how can I serve this person so powerfully Mm -hmm. that they never forget our conversation for the rest of their life? Wow. Now, that question, if you dig deep with it, 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 here's what it meant to me. I can't be talking about myself mm. because who's going to remember that for the rest of their yeah, life? Yeah, right? yeah. You know, it's got to be about them. And so I learned to ask questions that maybe nobody had ever asked them before mm. or encourage them when I heard them struggling with something um, to give them a thought or an idea. What was running through my mind and still does today when I have conversations is what resource do I know about Mm-hmm. that might help this person in this particular situation. And so if I have a 30-minute call set up with someone, usually 25 minutes of that is me getting to know them mm-hmm. and asking questions and learning more about them. Mm-hmm. Because anytime someone can make us feel valued, important, that sticks with us. Yes. Because too often people are waiting for their turn to talk. Mm-mm-mm. And, you know, they're quiet just long enough to let you finish so they can get started on what they want to share. So it's unusual to have somebody really focused mm-hmm. on what's important to them and, and be willing to go deep. I'm not someone that I guess, you know, a lot of people like chit chat. I like to dive in yeah. and learn more about what makes this person tick, what's important to them, not trying to pry for personal details, but just learning about their world Mm -hmm. so that I can provide some value to them in some way. And that's really how I've gone about, because I'm the face of our company in terms of the sales and marketing. And that's the strategy that I think I've been led by for quite a while. 
that leads to some pretty neat and surprising results because I'm not, you know, I had one person tell me recently, I'd met her a few years ago, and she said, you know, the first conversation we ever had, I kept waiting for you to start selling me your product. <laughs> and that <laughs> never the sales happened. Pitch? Where's the sales pitch? <laughs> instead, I introduced her to Steve Chandler's books and she um, got involved in, in that community and has just had so much fun since then. So a lot of times you might be guiding someone in a direction that may or may not ever lead to direct business with you. Mm -hmm. But the goodwill and the good energy you put out there, I believe, mm -hmm. always comes back. You know, Meredith, I have to say I'm evidence uh, for you of, of that strategy working uh, just the human element there, because do you know that of the maybe four or five internet conversations and the one in person that we've had, you've always given me something that has made a big impact on me. So for example, I almost always expect, okay, what is Meredith going to teach me today? What book is she going to make me go read that is going to change my life again? <laughs> I mean, that's, I remember the, the, the two or three different, you know, things you've taught me. So you are a giver and I am evidence that it really works. It builds relationships. Thank you for that. Now on that note, let's talk about your product a little bit and, and the customers that you serve. Now I know that you have two products. One is the 360 feedback tool and the other is the strong for performance tool. Tell us what those are, who those serve, the ideal clients that those serve, um, and what challenges that, you know, they have that you solve with those. Problems. Sure. Well, when we made the transition to being a software company, and that was another whole thing we did in 94 was we were um, eager to have a tool to use with clients that allowed the leaders to get 360 degree feedback. And mm -hmm. all the tools out there at the time were expensive um, and rigid. You had this one set of items and that was it. And what our experience with clients was they're all different. Mm -hmm. They have different needs. The leadership in a government organization or military was certainly not the same as corporate. So we set out to create our own and that's how we became a software company. So that was another whole transition we made with no preparation or mm -hmm. training to be mm -hmm. a software company. Mm -hmm. But we just had this belief that it was important. And what happened um, with that one is it was so customizable that it became not just a 360 feedback tool, but a general survey tool. So it's been used to assess how effectively a team works together or for employee engagement surveys. Mm. But from our experience, both as trainers and doing 360 feedback, we knew that those alone didn't necessarily change behavior. There needed to be follow-up, reinforcement, practice, coaching, all those elements that people sometimes underestimate. Mm -hmm. And so that was what led to our second product, which is an online coaching and development tool that is called Strong for Performance. And it blends in this these elements that help rewire a brain mm -hmm. for a new skill or behavior, as well as provide uh, coaching and that leads me to who our audience is and who buys our products. We actually have two groups. One is leadership coaches and consultants and trainers who are always looking for new tools that they can use with their clients. Mm -hmm. And then the other are internal human resource, learning and development, talent management, leadership development executives who are responsible for the people side of the business. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, we work directly with both of those, 
But I have to say, my passion is really helping the coaches and consultants implement our tools to have the greatest possible impact with their clients. Wow. So I've done that a lot. Not only only with themselves, but actually with their clients. That's sort of a secondary. Oh, right, right, right. It's not for them to use for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's for them to add another revenue stream for their businesses. Nice. So, in fact, we have one gal that's worked with us probably 15 years, and she said, Meredith, I have to tell you, she uses our 360 feedback tool with hundreds of managers Mm -hmm. and has over the years. She said, we make an obscene amount of money. (laughs) (laughs) using your program because it's so lucrative for them Mm -hmm. to be able to do the assessments and then do follow on coaching Mm -hmm. and other services that build on that. Mm. So it's a way for them to really go deep inside an organization and get some terrific results because of the follow through that they provide. You know, um, this is where we first connected was in the learning transfer space. So yeah. for for your second product that you've just described, you know, we, we were sort of in a similar space. You know, I was a vice president of HR and I was trying to figure out how to transfer learning into, into action and into results. And here you were, you'd already done that and you had millions of customers and that's really where we first met. So, you know, I, I want to say that, oh, and by the way, do you remember those stats like, um, uh, they say 80% or something, 85% of, of all learning investments are wasted because, oh, yeah. because it's closer to 90%. Is it closer to 90? It's billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. They're wasted because, and, and the, what they're looking at is, are the skills taught in a training class actually used when people get back on the job? Mm. And the answer is no, unless there is some kind of follow-up and reinforcement and accountability Mm -hmm. and coaching. Because what happens, Dr. Pillay, as you well know from your own studying of the brain, Mm -hmm. is our old habits are deeply ingrained. They are in our brains in a very solid way. And Mm -hmm. just because we get introduced to a new way and new information in a training class in no way means we're going to adopt that mm-hmm. when we go back. Because when we get face-to-face in a situation, we're going to revert back to what's familiar and comfortable. Wow. No, no. And that's why so little training really sticks. A- absolutely. And so just, you know, I just want to bring that up to help with the magnitude of the problem that you solve. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a huge one for corporations and so on and so forth. Now, let's talk about how you actually find and sort of, support your clients you know in in this noisy world right we all have to and this is your specialty you're in the sort of marketing leadership uh, you know uh, of your firm how do you find your ideal clients how do you bring them into your funnel into your world to get them to say yes and then how do you get them so happy that they refer you like some of the people you've already talked about well for the initial we have both resellers who work for us mm-hmm. Um, and some of them have worked with us for over 20 years. So one of the things we like to do is create sort of a family culture. You know, we know them personally. We get to know a lot of things about their families. Mm-hmm. And that's true of our clients as well. So a lot of what happens is we get referrals because mm-hmm. we want people to have such a fabulous experience with us. Sort of like Disney, you know, we want people to have such a great time. They go out and tell their friends. Well, that's sort of the way we are in our business. We want people to have such a delightful experience with us, set us apart 
from other software companies where they got to get to talk to a real person who really cares and shows a personal interest in making sure they're successful in using our products. Mm -hmm. So I think we take care of the after the sale piece that makes it easier with the upfront marketing piece. Mm -hmm. But of course, I also use LinkedIn very extensively Mm -hmm. to form relationships there. And so I, I write articles, I, you know, post videos. I do a lot of things to help establish myself as an authority and as credible and hopefully um, the kind of person they want to do business with. You know, I try to come across as I am, which is genuine and yet knowledgeable about the areas that we're we're teaching about. I also, you know, get on podcasts and Mm -hmm. I uh, do webinars Mm -hmm. and just build on existing relationships. Mm-hmm. I've, I've really enjoyed your, I think they're like 90 second or two minute videos on LinkedIn. And they, mm-hmm. and they get so much engagement there. I mean, I get so, I see so many people talking back to you and you just do a wonderful job of laying out a, a challenging leadership problem or, or personal development problem. And people just love it. I've seen that. Now, h- how do you, um, you know, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the the challenge, you know, that that you solve. Do you have a a methodology and I know this is this could be a huge question because you've been doing this for so many years, but if you were to say a simple two, three, four step process that you think every leader should go through to go from sort of the problems or wherever they may be now to where they need to be so that they they have a successful organization. What would those 3 or 4 or 5 steps be? I know it's a huge question, but hey, Let's now, I can do it. I can do it in a short, a short time. I think. Yeah. Number one is we all have blind spots, mm. and so no matter how good we think we might be uh, in certain areas, it's really important to ask the people around you. And so, a tool like our three hundred and sixty feedback is a way to do that. Um, you can also have, you know, interviewing people just sitting down one on one. What is it you like best about how I manage things around here? Mm-hmm. And what's one thing you would like to see me improve? It doesn't have to be a big formal process, but I can guarantee you every leader has people, has certain things that people wish they were doing differently mm-hmm. that they don't know about. And so that's number one is get data, get information about where you are now so that you can see where your gaps are. You'll, you'll see strengths too, that they will say, I want more of this. Yeah. Yeah. You're really good at it, but you don't do it enough. So the idea of opening your eyes to what's possible for you, I think that's key. And then being willing to open up to people and say, you know, in gathering this information, whether it was a formal 360 report or just talking to people, bring your team together and say, here are the areas or here's the one thing I am going to commit to working on for the next three months, six months, whatever period of time it is. And I want your ongoing feedback and support as I work on this. So when you mm. see me do it well, give me an attaboy. You know, <laughs> when you see me falling short, hold it up to me mm-hmm. because I'm very committed to doing this. I think sometimes leaders are afraid to appear vulnerable mm. because they, they think, Oh, I need to be perfect. I need to be the example. I need to do it all right. 
that isn't true. Mm. If they're willing to be open and honest and admit, I'm not perfect, that makes it okay and safe for their team members to also make mistakes and not worry about, oh, you know, I'm going to get my butt kicked for, you know, having done this, or I might get fired. It helps create an atmosphere of trust. Mm. And that's the, you know, that to me is the key goal for any leader is if you can get the trust of your people, show them that you trust them, but also have them trust you, you can ask so much of them. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so then having follow-up, either follow-up conversations or, um, a, you know, another round of, of feedback mm-hmm. so that you can find out after a period of time, how am I doing? You know, have I made improvements? Uh, Marshall Goldsmith calls, you know, these the stakeholders who are impacted by the leader's behavior. And so, in fact, I think his process and maybe some of his coaches is I don't get paid if your stakeholders don't say the person has improved Mm -hmm. because that's where it really counts. It isn't the leader saying, man, I've really grown. It's the people around them saying, hey, this person has really made some improvements. Yeah. So it's, it's it, it, the, the common thread there is feedback, mm. Getting feedback up front and, and then somewhere along the line. And then later to say, well, what's next? You know, now that I've really worked on and I seem to have polished listening, let's say, mm-hmm. what could I next improve? Because what you're showing there is I'm a lifelong learner. I don't pretend that I've ever arrived to an ultimate destination. Mm. I'm a work in progress. So are you. Mm-hmm. So we're in this together. We're all working on how can I be the best version of myself that's possible? Yeah. No, Meredith, I really appreciate that. In fact, I was writing notes. I think what you said here is that the very first step is get some visibility into, you know, what's what the gap is, right? What, mm-hmm. the, what, what your challenges are as a leader and then ask for feedback. And, and actually, you mentioned Marshall Goldsmith, who, for those who haven't heard of him, he is probably the world's number one leadership development thinker, coach, executive coach. And he's your friend, uh, Meredith. Uh, and in fact, he's, we both know him. We've connected with him before. So, um, and so he, he's really behind this idea of feed forward and feedback, which you are implementing in your work. And then you're saying the third step is check in, co- constantly check in and reinforce that the environment here, um, is is something that will help all of us. I'm going to go first as a leader. I will change and then everyone everyone else will change. So thank you for that. Now, you know, on, on that note, when we, um, if we, do you have, I guess I should say, do you have a favorite story of someone who you have taken for, through all the steps that you've just mentioned? Maybe they they started out unsure of themselves or how they could expand as a leader to a point where using your software and your services they are now crushing it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite story? No, I'll, I'll share two quickly, one with each product. The first uh-huh. one for the 360 was actually a consultant who used this with a client who owned a hotel. Uh-huh. And he was experiencing a, a fair amount of turnover and absenteeism. Mm. And so he brought in this consultant slash coach to help him. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, we should do a survey to find out, you know, what's going on and what the potential causes are. So we might call that an employee engagement survey with questions about his management style as well. And the results horrified him. 
He had no clue. This is one of those examples of a blind spot. Yes. He he thought he was, because his value system was treat people with respect. And so he thought he'd get some glowing reviews. Well, they really tore him apart because Mm. it turned out he was a micromanager who didn't trust people. He was always checking on them. And there were just a lot of things that he tended to be critical, even though he thought he was being helpful. Mm. So after he got past the shock of this feedback, he worked with this coach who helped him identify areas to really work on in terms of his communication with other people. And over a period of months, well, first of all, he was committed to change. He wanted to live in alignment with his stated values Mm -hmm. and get rid of this gap between where he was and where he wanted to be. So he was very serious about making changes and he did. And what happened was it was a number, uh, she was working with him regularly, but then there was a period of time where she hadn't been there when she came in, one of the employees came up to her and hugged her and said, thank you, thank you (laughs) for what you have done. We're all so much happier. We like coming to work now. It's a whole different place Mm. because of the changes that he has made. And when she went in to talk to him, he was thanking her profusely and stated that not only was the culture really transformed there at the hotel. His family life had improved because he applied the same improved skills at home as he did at the hotel. And Mm -hmm. so his life was truly transformed by the commitment he made. He had to do the work. You know, he he got quickly past what can bog down people, which is denial, defensive, blaming others. You know, Mm -hmm. if they only do this. He got past all of that and said, I'm responsible for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other one I want to share is related to our Strong for Performance program, where we had this manager in a state agency. They had had budget cuts for years Mm -hmm. and had not been able to send them to any, quote, classroom training. So they hadn't had any development done for them. And so we had an internal champion there who saw the benefit of our program because they were scattered throughout the state and couldn't come together. And so each one of these managers chose a specific topic. Mm -hmm. And this one manager chose dialogue, engaging in dialogue, because her style was get them in and out of my office as quickly as possible (laughs) and provide them with the solution. And she didn't regularly wait to hear their side of the story. She didn't inquire. So she worked on stopping listening. And in particular with one employee that she had labeled as a complainer, Mm. she decided to take a different approach with her and really keep her mind open because this employee came into her with a concern about a specific issue. And so instead of, you know, cutting her off, which was what she had done in the past Mm -hmm. and interrupting her and saying, here's what you got to do. She listened. She reflected back what she heard the person saying, and she ended up changing her mind. Wow. About, this particular situation and with that person. And she went and checked with some of the other people on her team and that reinforced changing her mind. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of a real culture change on that team because her, her reward for listening was getting greater Mm buy-in 
and cooperation and better attitudes from these people on her team that she had never considered before. She thought she had to have her thumb on everything. Yeah. And instead, she learned, gosh, if I listen to them, they've got some pretty good ideas here. Yeah. But especially when she did the inquiring part, which was understanding what was behind their position and their opinion. Mm-hmm. That was huge. So we have stories like that. It's what gets me up every day. Oh. You know, feeling so um, excited and responsible about getting our tools out to more people because I know how it can improve not just the life of the person using it, mm-hmm. but the people who are impacted by their behavior. Wow. And, you know, we both know that uh, the famous Jim Rohn once said, you got to work harder on yourself than on your work. Absolutely. And, and, and boy, do your services and tools really speak to that. Now, you are also someone that I would say is the epitome or the best example I can point to in some ways of someone who has big ticket clients. You, you know, you serve uh, corporations, you know, small to medium sized businesses. And, you know, if you were to look at the mindset that you've had to adopt in order to be so successful with such big clients, what would you advise anyone who would want to go in that path? What, what, what do they have to become, to think, to have, to do, whatever, in order to be successful with big ticket clients? Great question. Well, to me, number one is you have to believe yourself as worthy and being enough. Mm. So you, you will always fall short if you compare yourself to others mm. because there's always somebody that's better at you at something. And so stop the comparing and instead um, being grateful for and acknowledging and honoring mm. what you're really good at and saying the, and believing the world needs what I have to offer. So believing in yourself is, mm. is a critical first step. And, you know, I've struggled with that at times. We've, you know, we all have challenges. It has not been, you know, smooth sailing every day or every year for that mm. matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that that steadfast belief, I can do this, I can make this happen is important. The second thing is you've got to have a deep belief in your product or service and that it makes a difference. If you're not sure, your potential clients will pick up on that. And so to speak with confidence uh, and conviction, even if you're new at it, you've had some past successes that you can build on in your life mm. and let those feed your confidence, even if you're new in a specific arena, mm-hmm. because that makes a huge difference. People just pick up that vibration. You know, on that point, hold the third one, because I really want to come in on this second one. That is so true. You know, we look to our leaders and to people that we're sort of looking up to, if you will, for the guidance. And it's their attitudes and their vibrations that, that let us know whether we're safe or not, whether we can do this, right? So if you're not, if you're not confident, everyone around you will sense that, right? That's really what, what you're saying. Yeah, I am. And I can give you a very real example out of the corporate um, world. I was, I'm a, in a volunteer organization and we had this state meeting recently and the new president got up and he, he started out saying, well, I'm supposed to do blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there were just things he said. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I want to coach him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because he had no idea the words he was choosing to use and the impact 
they had for those that were paying attention was, I am really not comfortable in this role. I'm not confident. And so even if you have some, you know, doubts, you're not sure, it's important to get yourself in a mental state Mm. before you talk to a prospective client or even before you write an email to them. Mm -hmm. You know, don't apologize for yourself. Use strong power words, Mm -hmm. not weak words Mm -hmm. in your speech as well as in your writing. I can't tell you how many emails I've gone back and ripped out, you know, two or three sentences because I thought, man, that does not say what I want to convey. And so it takes practice Mm -hmm. over time to see what works and what doesn't in Mm -hmm. that regard. You know, I have to to jump in again because I love See, what you just said reminds me of an airplane ride that I was in on once. Um, And we were going from the U.S. to Amsterdam, and all of a sudden the pilot turned around, and then we saw black uh, liquid coming out of the the, the wings. (laughs) Oh, my. And so the pilot calmly says, we are going back to the United States because one of our engines uh, blew. (laughs) And he was just very calm about it. And so I'm looking at the next person. He's praying to Jesus and the next person is praying to something else. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And so the flight attendant is coming toward us and everybody looked at her. Why? Because whatever was on her face is what we were all going to adopt. If she was scared, we were going to scream and start (laughs) going crazy. But she just, she was calm. She was collected. She had practiced acting as though everything is well. And so it helped us. And so I think that's your point is you are always on display. And if your confidence and if it's not there, everyone picks it up. I love that. Thank you so much for for sharing that. Well, you know, you want to be authentic. Mm. um, And yet you you are not going to instill confidence in yourself if you don't show it yourself. Mm. And so it's really important, you know, Steve Chandler again, his coach, Steve Hardison, has a wonderful question that he asks him that I just love. And if, if Chandler is struggling with a specific situation, Hardison says, who do you need to be mm. in this situation? Who do you need to be? Because you can adopt any stance that you choose to. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. Mm. If you're going to be powerful and strong, or if you're going to be insecure and lack confidence and send a message you don't want to send, mm-hmm. you can choose how you're going to be each, wow. each now, moment. Now, the third one, because I know you, you've talked about oh. believing in yourself, believing in your product and service. Right. And now what was the third yeah. advice? The third is really believing in your ability to help this person that's in front of you. So you have the belief in the tools that you've created, but you've got to also believe there's a good match Mm -hmm. between you and that other person. Mm -hmm. I think that that's critical because if not, neither of you is going to be happy, Mm -hmm. you know, in the long term. And this is a little bit, it's not in the one, two, three, but another aspect of, of big ticket clients is finding out where are those influencers that you most want to work with. Mm. And typically, if you're local, there's an association that they belong to. Mm -hmm. 
or some type of organization. And so for you to be able to connect with, form strong relationships with the leaders of that association so that you can be brought in as a speaker or a workshop leader or um, some other way to provide value to them, then it's not you trying to cold call, you know, 20, 50 or 100 people. Mm-hmm. You're being positioned as an expert by the people that run that organization. And that is huge in terms of instant credibility and authority. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Meredith, our viewers and listeners have just gotten a sense of how we talk naturally in person and how we just go on from topic to topic. So we could yeah. keep going forever. Right? We just talk about stuff. But, you know, if, if you if people wanted to reach you, um, let's give them a, a way to connect with you. What would be your favorite web address for people who want to learn more about Meredith Bell and your products? Sure. Well, I'm on LinkedIn the most. That's okay. my favorite social media site. So mm-hmm. it's Meredith Bell. Mm-hmm. And um, my email address is Meredith at growstrongleaders.com. And our website that I would want people to visit is growstrongleaders.com okay. because it has information about both of our products there. Okay, growstrongleaders.com. Meredith, mm-hmm. it has been such a pleasure talking with you, learning from you, and just seeing your smile again, because I haven't seen you since Hawaii. <laughs> I know. Well, it's always great to interact with you, Dr. Pillay. I love your energy, too, and I just consider you a great friend. So thank, thank you. you for having me. Absolutely. And maybe we'll do this again soon sometime. That would be great. All right. Take care now. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast. For more episodes and strategies, visit BigTicketClients.com. That's www.BigTicketClients.com. And remember, you can't catch a whale with a worm.